Welcome y'all to the Black Hoof Saloon, a Wild West Exodus podcast. Mosey on up to the bar and get yourself a bottle of fire water or a glass of sarsaparilla and listen to some good old yarns about adventures of law dogs, outlaws, and weird creatures. So set a spell, water your ride, or your rider, and get ready to tune up your posses. This is the Black Hoof Saloon. Howdy, Greenhorns, and welcome back to the Black Horse Saloon. This is Eric here. As always, I have with me Brian in Texas and Tom out on the East Coast. Say hello, guys. Hello. Howdy. And we also have a fourth seat being worn by a special guest. It is the boss, the head honcho, the big cheese. We have Stuart from across the ponds heading up War Cradle Studios and the gang there behind Wild West Exodus. Say hey, Stuart. Hey, Stuart. <laughs> okay, so this is a little bit different for the show. Stuart agreed to come on the show and cause a ruckus in the saloon today. And we usually, you know, do the news or we do a little topic and stuff. And we're going to do something a little bit different. We're just going to pick Stuart's brain, ask him a bunch of questions, put him on the hot seat and see if we can get some kind of info for all you guys and uh, especially for, I'm going to try and get the show out before the UK get Games Expo. So you guys that are traveling to that in England can listen to the show as you go. So we have a bunch of questions. Um, Brian, do you want to start grilling? You're, you're our muscle of the show, so you start grilling, Stuart. Oh, all right. So my first question, uh, because it's a, it's a topic close to, to my heart, and I know there's a few other Lawman fans out there is really eager for the Infernal Investigations Posse to come out. So is there any uh, kind of hints or teases you can give us Lawman fans of when this posse is going to be coming out? Yeah, sure. Um, so they are the next posse for the Lawman to come out. They will be the next one. I know we've, we've kind of um, showcased a few in the pipeline, but they are the next ones to be released. Um, I would expect to see them fairly soon. By soon, I mean before the summer is probably so well before the end of the summer here in the UK. So um, actually before the end of the summer here in the UK is probably last week. But um, (laughs) uh, (laughs) yeah, certainly over the next few months, you 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 should expect to see them up on uh, on pre-order. Awesome. So by by Christmas, we should see the Lawman Infernal Investigations Posse and then the other posse in the pipes would be Ranger Sowboat. So for those Lawman fans, by the end of the year, we might be able to see both of those? I think that would be a fairly safe bet. Awesome, because Calamity Jane is in that Ranger Sowboat, and I believe every Lawman is going to want that model. Yeah, quite right, too. Brian's got a grin from ear to ear right now. He's, like, super excited. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, uh, so those those who don't know, uh, on Saturday I had a tournament here in Houston, and I actually proxied the Infernal Investigation Posse for for my uh, 800 uh, build, and was able to bring Helena, Jedrick Powell, and Black Hoof 2020, and and then uh, some Rangers. It, it really went well for me. I had a blast playing those models. Um, Helena Miller's yo-yo flight out and flight back, you know, was was awesome, and she is crazy good against you know, machines and automatons. 
because of her disrupt pistols. So it was really fun. So Stuart, my next question is um, is about I guess my second favorite faction would be the Holy Order. So what could you give us in a way of what to expect uh, for the Holy Order in the coming months? Yeah, so for the the Order of God, um, I can tell you're a long time player, Brian. You keep calling them the Holy Order. Uh, yeah, the the Order <laughs> are. Uh, yeah, they've got so there's there's different strands to the order. I mean, obviously for us, it's really important that we try and get posse sets for each of the main factions out. So we're really keen to get a couple of posses for the order um, in the release schedule fairly quickly. Um, we have we've already showcased it. We have the um, divine intervention posse, which we've shown off. Um, have we shown off the portal vanguard posse as well? I can't remember. We have not seen the Porcel Vanguard posse yet, but if you send uh, send us the um, the 3D file, we can attach it to this podcast uh, release. So <laughs> as they go to the splash point, they can see it. Too. <laughs> nice try. Uh, so yeah. what, what's in that? So Neura, um, Elita Neura, um, her posse, the Portal Vanguard, are on the way as well for the order at some point this year. Well, I say this year. Towards the end of this year, maybe beginning of next year. So right, so within, within so, the next twelve months, let's put it that way. Right. So the the uh, divine intervention is Makura's possible. yeah, Makara and yeah. her uh, Corcaroli. Yeah, that's right. Right. So we've seen we've seen her design sketch. We've actually someone in the studio was actually building Makara and some of the some of the Corcaroli. So we. But we haven't seen a 3D render like we have for some of the other set. Like we haven't seen the official posse set. So we don't know what actually is going to come in that set yet. Oh, right. Do you not? Oh, okay. Um, well, I can tell you what's in the posse. That's, that's... Yes. Yes, please. <laughs> yeah, <that was> great. <laughs> so you have, uh, so you have Makara. Makara is the boss of the posse. Uh, she is, uh, obviously she's a kind of the centaur bodied, um, uh, Corcorolus. The, thing about makara she's whenever the uh, order come to a, a new world for their crusade she is usually the first one to arrive so she's the first of the corcoroli to arrive on the earth um she in the posse set she's backed up by uh you have i'm trying to the names now so you've got um han who has the um the kopesh the long kopesh blade and the heavy pistol so she's um She's quite good with the um, the luminant, uh, the Corcoroli luminant squads that you can you can field. You've also got um, um, Valana and Siraj, which are carrying those massive uh, glaives, those huge long long armed or long handed weapons. Um, Siraj, you'll remember from the old um, there was an old miniature of Siraj from um, you know, many many moons back. Um, is, Sir, is Siraj an updated mini, or is it going to be the same? Totally one? updated miniature, in line with the um, with the kind of the the aesthetics of the new um, of the new figures. Right. So, like, yeah, the the now in the order are imbued human hosts. So, what happens is because of all this external energy from the order, the hosts can't contain that energy, so they have to have containment suits. So that's why they're a little bit bigger than regular humans. So the the old uh, Holy Order models of armored guys, they're a little too small. So they, War Cradle has upgraded them, so they're a little bit bigger 
and so that's the I guess the fluff behind why the models had to be redesigned and, and they're all a little bit bigger is because it's a containment suit and the human is kind of in there with someone from the order, which is an energy being. So I guess those combined, they get trapped inside this containment unit while they're here on Earth. Yeah, I mean, if you had the old Siraj, Oron, and Zane models on the table with the new Corcoroli, it would look like the Corcoroli were doing Bring Your Child to Work Day. Um, <laughs> they'd be, they're, they're quite a bit smaller than the uh, than the new... I mean, there's nothing. they're lovely sculpts, but the, the new ones, we tried to keep true to the old sculpts. They're little, they're little nods, little like helmet details and some of the um, armor plates and things are reminiscent of the original models but yeah they've been updated and upgraded into the the aesthetic that we have for the um for the cockroly now so yes yeah, so you have siraj you have um there's a um, another um, glaive wielding uh, cockroly called valana she's in the she's in the set too so they make quite good sort of the poses are quite complementary to each other so yeah they're quite good like bodyguard type thing not that makara really needs them um Han's really good for leading your um, luminant units, your squads of luminant, Corcoroli. Um, and then finally you have uh, Mithun is the uh, is the final member of the group. Mithun is carrying a uh, Master Shrike rifle, which is this massive three-barreled hell cannon type thing. It's, uh, she's a fantastic model, really, uh, really great. In fact, we liked her so much that the um, uh, we... Uh, we commissioned a um, large piece of art of her. So when you see our war cradle stand, there's actually a uh, life-size piece of Mithun art there, and she towers over everybody else. So it's quite cool. Nice, nice. Have have we seen images of that yet? I know that I've seen Makar and I've seen some of the Corcoroli. Yeah. Well, have if you we... go on the Exodus website, um, sorry, right, I can wait. Yeah, if you go on the Exodus website <laughs> and on the uh, unit cards, you'll see under the Corcoroli. It, it seems weird. It, it's it's like we knew what we were doing when we listed them. Actually, we've listed on the um, sheet, you've got Makara, and then for faces, the first four faces are the four faces that are in the, are in that posse. So that's that's the set. Awesome. It's almost like you guys have a plan. It's almost like we know what we're doing, yeah. Katan and Noth are in um, the Portal Vanguard posse, so there are, that, so that's more Corcoroli coming out in a posse. And then Oron and Zane will be released later down the line in their own um, funky twin pack. And that's all the Corcoroli for now. For now. Oh, for now. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's always for now. Well, um, when, so, um, when you... Because at the moment we're just doing the final proofreading on the new dystopian age background, the narrative. And um, when you read the background for the Ottoman Sultanate, yeah, for now. For now, those are the only Corcoroli we've... Um, we've released <laughs> so some of the ones that um did did you mention the chain skulking cha- stole a chain katan and katan and noth they're in the portal vanguard so they come leaping okay. out of portals and then hurl um semi-sentient chain attached um harpoons into people and start dragging them across the table and stuff like that yeah okay so the the, the two chain noth and katan they, those will be in the later um, yes. set. Okay. Yes. You didn't mention them. I was like, wait, you didn't mention the chains. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they're all about the chains. And yeah, they're both, um, they're both in that new, uh, in the next posse set that comes out after divine intervention. Okay. And can you say who all else? Cause so, so come with the two 
those two. It'll come with um, the, the Nura. I'd have to have a look. Yeah, so Nura is the boss for that posse. And then it would be, off the top of my head, I believe it's um, Aaron Bran, Jana Salto, and um, uh, Venetici Helios, I believe. Okay. That's, the, that's what I'm assuming. A lot of fancy sounding names. Cool. But basically, it's the three other named. Um, Australia? Yeah, yeah, there you go. Get you with your, with your terminology. That's quite right. Three other Australia. Um, see, the, one of the things we've done with the order is we've really started to try and make them less of a one or two note faction. So we're trying to, even with the idea of the spiker or speaker, depending on how you want to pronounce it, um, there's. Um, we want to have different chambers, for want of a better word, different different subgroups within them. So, I mean, the Corcorolia are all largely um, um, an elite subgroup within the order anyway. But for the Spiker, who are up until recently, they were the ones doing all the work for the last thousand years as part of the order. So they've, you know, traditionally they've got different different groups, different roles. And so you have the Estrella, um You also have... Um, there are two other chambers. I don't know if we've actually detailed them. So yeah, there's there's lots of lots of really great stuff for the order to come. But there's just you know we've got so many things to release and not enough time to release them in. So that will be for some point in the future. No, and I, and I think the um, rolling out the Cocoroli the way you're doing is is probably the best one to do because they're so. They're so iconic, and they're going to stand out on the table. You, you know, your strategy of what's releasing when is has been spot on, and I'm just eager for you know those next steps because the the ones that you're making now have been so good, and seeing Makara hit the table and in those large armored things, it's going to be awesome. And knowing that you know shortly after we're going to start seeing other stuff sneak out for the order, as, as great as the lawman is in my heart. The order is right there behind it, so I, I, that's awesome. See, so. see what it is is Brian probably got a, a new four by six table, and his other table is full with all his models, so he needs to start filling that new table. Gotcha. Okay, so, no, so yeah, Eric's mentioned. Yeah, Eric's talking about the picture I took of all my models except my lawman because they were still in my uh, my outlaw case, but. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't help it, Brian. <laughs> and I added another uh what thirteen models this week. <laughs> I had a question. Looks like over the summer I'll be adding more. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I had a question for you, uh, Stuart, and I know Tom kind of brought this up. Uh, we were wondering about the Warhost program. I know all three of us are probably going to jump on it. We're all eager to spread the the word. And um, is there is there any kind of news? I mean, we all kind of signed up for it and are following on the Facebook page. Um, yeah, it's okay. So the Warhost program is something that. I don't know if you're aware, but in the in the sort of wider community, there's been some issues with things like the press gangers and the henchmen program. So press gangers for private press, the henchmen for Malifaux, uh, Magic the Gathering with their judges and things. There's yeah, been, yeah. There's been all sorts of um, issues around. So, so what's happened is is that, and it's always the case with these things. 
all the while it's fun for everybody and everybody's mutually kind of benefiting from it and nobody's nobody's getting too serious about it or abusing the system um any system tends to hold up quite well but when you get um when you get people that start to either try and treat it like a, a living or they try and treat it like somehow they are bigger or better or more important than either the company or the customers neither of those things should be true then i mean really i see a volunteer program a, a scheme ideally with the war host but, but any scheme it should just be about you're excited about a game or a company or whatever it is you want it to be successful you want to do what you can to help make it successful if you weren't a an officially shirted up badged up member of whatever the community team was you'd be going out there probably running demos or introducing people anyway because you're um you know you're such a fan of the game and you just want you just want to see good things for the game i mean it's from a selfish point of view maybe just because you want to make sure that the game's healthy and that you're gonna have lots of people to play against because you think it's a you know it's a lot of fun but yeah whatever you read yeah. for it and and i think over the years particularly as there's been more and more games going out there and and probably more companies getting um or keyed into how the community works and trying to push it we've come to a breaking point where the programs for some of these companies were not working the way that they originally were intended and you had people either either there was a crossing that line where the question was well are they actually working is it essentially getting people to work for you but you're not actually going to pay them or give them medical insurance and stuff like that um so it shouldn't be it was never supposed to have been a job but because of the way it kind of developed some people i could see how they might have felt that it was a job um you also had in some companies cases their community teams became the de facto kind of voice for the game and for for um for the manufacturer rather than the manufacturer leading the conversation it was really what their community team what their um and their organized play team thought was important or thought was the way to do things that became the message that was going out to all the customers and again i don't think that's healthy either so from a from a side of controlling um and not in a kind of a nasty way but just but trying to keep the message consistent with what the people who are making the game intend the message to be, that's that's important to um, to work on and get processes into place. And the other thing is just to make sure that it's really clear for everybody involved um, when somebody speaks, uh, particularly in this modern age, social media and all these various ways that we can talk about things, just making really clear that when somebody's speaking, that they're not necessarily speaking in an official capacity on behalf of the company, but their own personal viewpoint, that um, we're making sure that you know young people are protected if they're going to be running games and things for youngsters and th th there's a whole mess of stuff that maybe 10 years ago we just didn't need yeah, um, yeah. And so what we're doing is rather than kind of winging it and throwing something together and waiting until we come up with an issue and um, we're taking the time to really make sure the scheme is worthwhile for people to get on board with and do because I, I know you know from what you've said there's going to be people who just want to get on board in whatever capacity. They don't really care. They just want to be part of it. And that's brilliant. But it's that enthusiasm is only going to last for so long. We want to make sure that there's actually something meaningful that they feel like they're part of and then they're contributing towards, but also that the community understands who these people are, what they can do for them to help, that they're not there to be taken a liberty of. I mean, the last thing I want is for retailers or gaming clubs to 
give the impression to one of these um, one of these war hosts that you know they're going to come out their way, they're going to go down there, run some games, and then the people involved who they're there to support haven't done their part. So going out to a store and the store's not promoted the game or the store's not organised anything, and so that there has to be it there has to be some support for the war hosts as well as just them charging forward you know shirt in hand all badged up and and trying to represent the company um, and represent the games that they love where they're going to has to be part of that process as well so that there's um fettle um so so the ground is uh, fertile for them to actually meet lots of people run loads of games and everybody has a great time yeah that, i don't want it to be a waste. that's that's kind of the bottom line you want to make sure that everybody has a great time and has fun doing it yeah that's that, that's exactly it. I mean, I don't want because again, that, that enthusiasm is going to bleed away really fast if they're going to all the effort. They've painted the stuff. They're all fired up. They the night before they're out game. You know, they're out to uh, run the demos. They may be rereading the rules. For some people, it's not a natural thing to be meeting meeting the great unwashed public and um, pressing the flesh, as it were, and, and making new <laughs> making new friends and, and what have you. For some people, it's it, it, it's like oxygen and they're, they're they're brilliant at it and um, for other people that's not the case but they still want to really passionately support the game um, and and it's for those people as well i don't want anybody to spend all that time and effort and then you get in there and the the place you're going to there's you know there, there's a tumbleweed for um for custom rather than anything else so there's there, there's nobody there nobody knew you were coming or the event you're going to support isn't really happening properly, or oh that got cancelled last week. Did nobody tell you that kind of thing? Yeah. I mean that's that's not good either. So it, we need a we need a process in place that makes sure that we've got great people that they're focused on the best way to keep excited and enthusiastic and communicating that excitement to potential um, players, potential new new hobbyists and things, but also that they've got the confidence that when there's tournaments or campaigns or anything like that, that they're seen as part of the support network. And, yeah, so the, as I say, so there is that that confidence and fun can be had by everybody. Yeah, definitely. Tom, did you have any questions for Stuart? Yeah, my big question is uh, on U.S. distribution. You know, U.S. is pretty big. There's a lot of different distributors. Um, That's that who, place who, south who of Canada. Who can Canada. stores go to? And, yeah. So, I mean, who can who can stores go to? I know there's been some announcements, but uh, I want to make sure everybody knows, you know, who's out there and, and stores have agreements with different distributors and try to get, you know, the game into the stores over here. Yeah, so there's some great, um, some great distributors we've got in the U.S. Um, we have... Uh, Probably two of the main ones we have. We have ACD are uh, out there and flying the flag. They're able to supply and support their stores. We've also got Southern Hobby Distribution as well uh, out in the US, and both of those are you know are great places to go to to support um, to support retailers. Particularly, they've got stock in the um, they've got stock in the US. They've got decent volumes of stock as well. So they you know it's not like retailers are going to be waiting for stuff to come out of the uk to get over to the us and then from the us onto their store and that stuff is is out there right now sort of ready to go if you pick up the phone or the retailer picks up the phone to one of the distros and puts an order in it's literally uh, the time it takes them to pick pack your order and get out the door to you it is is the time you're waiting on that is fantastic all right what else do we got for Stuart, guys 
I know, Stuart, that we just saw an announcement go out for Gen Con and that that the War Cradle crew is has put in two tournaments at Gen Con. Do you have any details about what to expect for those uh, tournaments yet? Yeah. Or is that stuff still in the work? I have local guys that went, as soon as those went up, they signed up for them. They're all super excited about them. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're really excited too. There's going to be our first big um, tournaments in the U.S., we're going to be making sure that they, so they run using the gunslinger rules from the packs that you can download from the Exodus site. Uh, they are going to be a lot of fun. Um, you're going to have the studio will be there. The um, we'll have you know, the likes of Darren and the Trailblazer guys are going to be there as well. We'll have prize support. We'll have some, some you know some quite special little prizes as well. But we haven't made announcements on that yet. We're going to have. Uh, yeah, a, a whole a whole bunch of people from all over the US who are going to be either meeting for the first time or traveling up in groups, and it's it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we've got them on two days as well. Um, the so yeah, um, two different days for the show. So either they can attend both or they can attend um, attend them separately. Yeah, if I remember right, you're doing like a, a smaller point list on the friday like the 500 point and then saterday's your your bigger one like the the 1500 i believe is what it was yeah so we've got um i said we're going to go through all the details on these um i mean the next big show for us is actually this coming weekend we've got the uk games expo um and there'll be lots of um lots of bits and pieces there but yeah then the next the next big show we're talking about will be gen con and we'll announce um, the exact details, prizes, and other bits and pieces. Um, so sort of in the coming coming couple of weeks, it's very exciting. I, I I know a lot of players. Me for one, are very excited to see that you guys are going to be running the tournaments at the different cons and stuff. Starting at Gen Con, what a better well for us, better con to start at. And um, yeah, I know there's a lot of people excited. So that's really cool news. Yeah, don't be like me. Read that entire Gunslinger document. Um, all the tournament information is after the league information. Um, I kind of stopped at the league information and felt kind of dumb when Stuart said, well, just read the whole document. So <laughs> make, make sure you read the whole thing. Oh, sorry, I, I had a game uh, with somebody the other day of Exodus, and they uh, they were reading something. They read a rule to me, and they stopped. Um, or, or, sorry, they read the rule out of the rule book. They played in a particular way. And I said, no, I don't think you can do that. And they read the rule out to me. They grabbed the rule book. Well, it's in your rule book, you know, that old chestnut. Um, so, so they go, well, here you go. Look, it says here. And they read and they read this sentence to me. And I'm sort of thinking, that just doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound complete. And so I grabbed the book and I had a look. And they'd stopped reading halfway through a sentence. They'd read the first half of the sentence that, that supported what they wanted to do. And then not read the second part of the sentence, which made them not be able to do specifically what they wanted to do. Yeah, it's, um, so, yeah, reading reading the tournament pack and just reading the first half and going, well, I don't know where these rules are. It's, yeah, that's uh, not so helpful. Yeah, reading is fundamental. <laughs> so, that, so you brought up playing a game. How often do you get to play, Stuart? Um, not very often, if I'm brutally honest. I mean, outside of playtesting, usually when I play, I'm playing a. Um, it's not a. It's not a full game. It will be a, um, like an, an aspect of a game because we're trying. Like for example, we were playing around with Quick and the Dead the other day and just trying out the um, Quick and the Dead rules, and yeah, really happy with those. And um, 
just seeing how that worked and how that interacted with uh, with some stuff. Um, yeah, no, really, really good. So I do get to play with um, when I can, but I'll be honest. Not only have we got obviously Wild West Exodus, we've got their other games in the dystopian age, and War Cradle is also developing other games that aren't um, from the dystopian age. So there's there's quite a lot going on uh, in terms of um, <laughs> opportunities to play games, uh, but they're not always necessarily uh, social. Yeah, you know, like social games, they're more um, more work than anything else. So um, just because you slipped that in there. What, what's going on besides dystopian age? Can you tell us? Um, well, we probably talked about some of it um, in various places. So we have for Firestorm, um, the Firestorm universe, which is the science fiction universe. You have Firestorm Armada, which is space battles uh, with massive star cruisers hammering each other in the cold, uncaring void of space. Um, you have um, Planet Fall, which is the planetary assault kind of sister game to Armada. We also have a really great World War Two historical card game that's in development at the moment, and we've been been playing around with that. And um, we also have uh, there's a couple of dice games that um, I'm give, kick, kicking the tires of. I've, I've got some thoughts as to uh, what they could be used for. Um, yeah, so we've got a whole a whole mess of things that we're we're developing. We've also got um, War Cradle Studios. We're always looking for IP and other bits and pieces to develop. So there's a few. Um, uh, intellectual properties that we're looking at and mulling over some ideas. I can't go into them at the moment, but um, but certainly lots of things going on behind the scenes. The um, Wild West Exodus and Dystopian Wars are probably the two that we're talking about the most because they are the closest to either release or beta test or what have you. But um, there's lots and lots of other things kind of bubbling away behind the scenes. Bunch of busy bees in that studio. Yeah, that kind of that kind of teasing about what what they're branching out in. All it says to me is things are going well. <laughs> you know, it's like you don't look for that kind of stuff if you're struggling. You know, so it's it's really been just an amazing year watching uh, War Cradle you know, do what they do and, and spread this game. And, you know, it's just, it's amazing. Yeah. I think yeah. the important thing is it lets us know you're going to be around for a while. I think Exodus, um, obviously it's had a, it's had a, a long history in terms of when it started and then it kind of went into the, um, into the wilderness for a little bit. And then it's, it's kind of come roaring back. Um, I, I don't know. It's difficult to tell. Certainly there are more people playing Wild West Exodus now than there were um, for easily the last few years. I think we are getting to a point, certainly in terms of the excitement and the, the coverage, the distribution in stores and where it's being played all the way around the world. I think there are probably more people now playing Wild West Exodus than there have ever been, I think is, is probably where we're probably where we're getting um, as a game, which bearing in mind that we didn't have the advantage of it being all completely new. You know, they, you know, for some people, they had heard of Wild West Exodus before, which can work against you because not, you know, I mean, they may never have played it before, but they've, oh yeah, no, I've heard of that, and for whatever reason, they've got a notion in their mind that it wasn't something for them. So, because we didn't have our all new, all cool kind of exciting um, moment, 
I, I think the game's done, you know, remarkably well. I think a big part of that is to do with the visuals, the aesthetic, um, but I, I think also the way the community's taken hold of it and run with it, and it's obviously struck a chord with people as something that they enjoy, and maybe it isn't quite the same as other things that they've played. I think a possible thing to help there too is at least from the coverage and the pictures I've seen from the cons and everything, you guys have an amazing booth. Yeah, we. Uh, I think because we've tried to put the the visuals front and center. Um, yeah, we've we, we've really invested in trying to make sure that we've got a we've got a strong presence. We're in a golden age of gaming. There's more games out there now than there have ever been. In fact, what was Exodus Second Edition um, is existing in a world space that had has more games to compete with than the first edition had. Uh, and you know and for us to be making the headway we have, we had to try and make sure that we stood out. And the way that we stand out, I think, is from people like Roberto and his his visual style, pushing that. Um, I know our, our MD, so the guy, um, Richard, who owns uh, Wayland Games, which is the parent company of War Cradle, uh, he was always very, very keen on making sure that we, um, we gave it the best go we possibly could and we really pushed ourselves to, um, to be better than other things that we'd seen. Uh, I mean, Wayland has been around for you know a decade almost, and we've seen lots and lots of other manufacturers producing products and producing games and launching them and, and so on. And it's very easy when you haven't done it yourself to sort of sit there and go, oh, yeah, well, we'd do better than all of that. Um, once you actually get into the process, though, it's very hard work launching and developing um, developing games. So, but Rich has been... Yeah, he's been really quite instrumental in, in pushing us, in really, uh, really driving behind the scenes, driving stuff forward. And uh, yeah, I, I think overall that it, it's that great, that great combination of trying to stand out from the crowd. And you do that by having the best possible artists, sculptors, um, you know, community team, support team and um, and having the kind of the, the business planning behind it to kind of ensure that all the effort and excitement actually has a purpose because sometimes you get very excited about things and it doesn't actually translate into anything that's going to keep the company in business well you you guys something i noticed too is you guys have always been on that uh, very high you know standard of interacting with the community too and when you kind of nurture the community the way that you guys have with wild west exodus the fans you know respond to that and you know they respond positively hands down yeah like i say i think um, it's been very um, pleasing humbling flattering the way that the game has been received by people and it's i mean you know i was I, i'm not confident with anything you don't take anything for granted but i i had some confidence that the game you know a wild west game would probably do quite well in arizona in texas in those kind of states where it was a it was a fantastical version of your heritage. Um, I think that was that. Yeah, you know, if it was ever going to be a if the Wild West game was ever going to be successful, it would be successful in the states where the Wild West was actually a thing. But it's been. Um, I mean, obviously, you guys have been hugely supportive. It's been great also to see people in Poland, people in Germany, people in France, uh, people in Nottingham. You know, People all over, all over the UK. People in Australia, um, getting on board with the game, getting excited about the game, and um, you know the 
for, for some of them in their countries, the Wild West is as fantastical a place as Narnia. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not a real thing. It's, it's, uh, it's just a thing they've seen in, in movies or, um, or they played as a child. They, you know, it's not a, it isn't a real place. Um, so, and that's been brilliant. That's been really great. And there are some um, fantastic fans of the game all over the world. Um, yeah, very, very humbling. So, Stuart, along with the, the presence, we know that, you know, you guys are going to be at UK Games Expo. You know, that you're going to be at Gen Con. What's your schedule like, like, you know, through the end of the year and beyond as far as uh, public appearances? Uh, or is that even not even planned out yet? Yeah, well, we know where we're going to be. So we will be at so we're at the UK Games Expo uh, is our next port of call in a few days time. Um, shockingly. <laughs> uh, we've also got the uh, so Gen Con, which is be a, a big, exciting one for us. Um, what I really like about um, the two shows, and I'm hoping to get to Adepticon next year, is that there has it definitely has a, a different feel to it. Um, the, the different US cons, they're not all um, they're not all the same kind of thing. They have different crowd, so it's been quite good to be able to attend some different ones this year. We went, um, we did PAX at the beginning of the year. That was good. Um, been interesting seeing not so much in um i mean the fans of the game seem to be that seems to be universal language that kind of passion and enthusiasm but actually then you get a little taste of the culture and like i say so you get to um down in down in texas and um that definitely had that feel of um you know the world that wild west exodus was kind of um taking inspiration from but then you go up to the massive convention centers and things in, at uh, Gen Con in Indianapolis. Totally different feel. But as soon as you get people at your stand, getting really excited and really enthusiastic, all that vanishes. You forget you're in a, uh, in a giant convention center. And actually, you're just focusing on the demos that's being run or the miniatures you're talking about in the cabinet. Or if they're in a conversation with me, I'm gesticulating wildly and trying to trying to draw airships in in the sky and things like that trying to explain what <laughs> what what various bits and pieces are and what it represents and so on so that all kind of drops away once you once you start kind of meeting up with the fans so yeah trying to get as many of these shows uh, in hand as possible i think is um, you know uh, obviously costs cost effectiveness willing but um, is a is a good thing so we're doing uh, gen con uh, we've also got the um, there's a, a tabletop um gaming has a um a convention back here out in the uk we're looking to support spiel out in germany uh, which is in essen in germany and um we have a couple more shows um for next year as well already and so obviously we're doing adepticon again next year and we have a, a few other bits we'll be at gamma and uh yeah so a lot a busy year I, I think we worked out it's probably a show every a show every six weeks or so so uh yeah quite busy Right. Well, you know, there's a really big one coming up in Philadelphia. <laughs> is there? <laughs> there is. I, I know I've been banging the drum for this one, but yeah, PAX Unplugged is going to be in Philadelphia. Any uh, any thoughts on that? PAX Unplugged. Know, it's definitely one of the ones we've been looking at. Um, I would have to check with our team to see if we're going. I don't believe we are, but I will. Uh, if you guys are saying it's a good one, I'm I'm happy to have the conversation again to revisit it. Well, Tom already offered to give me his couch, so maybe he'll he has more furniture for you guys. Yeah, if you've got if you've got couches for thirty people, we can probably bring the whole crew. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I got a couple of cots, a few couches, uh, some sleeping bags. 
yeah no that could that that could be uh, okay that's one for us to look at then packs unplugged I'll, I'll have a look no promises but i'll uh, i'll certainly have a look at it awesome get we get some some presence up here in the northeast where we're dense densely populated right and you mentioned uh pack south in san antonio and the store i did a tournament with on saturday that was that was one of the the buds planted from pack south brian at space cadets he had went down there that sunday and met with kevin and the gang uh at the booth and he had always saw in a bottle of sexes he was he was interested in checking it out and one of his uh, employees and I were all talking at the tournament on Saturday, and she goes, "Yeah, I, I was totally against him even looking at Wildless Exodus." <laughs> and they were at PAX, and she saw the booth and was like, "Oh my God, yes, you have to get this game." <laughs> so it was like PAX South really did turn her around in supporting them bringing it to the store, and yeah, he's. He's he's all in. He's got a, a good supply of, of materials. Uh, he he was actually pulling up his order form that Saturday, you know, to look and see what else he's going to bring into the uh, into the store. <laughs> so yeah, so the the tournaments are the tournaments are great, but y'all's booth is what's selling the game to like store owners and stuff. So yeah, there's many of the the trade conventions and the game conventions that your booth splashes down on definitely does uh, cause a ripple effect in that area. I guess it shows that we're, we're serious about what we're doing. Um, you know, and, and like I say, it's, it's so, there's so many games out there that we have to do everything to kind of, cause we think our game's great. Um, and we just, we need to do something to kind of wave our hand in the air and say, look, come, come check our stuff out look come have a look at it because we're we're fairly confident that once people have had a look and that they enjoy it that that um you know that that hopefully should be all that's needed to get them hooked right like for example the cosplay the cosplayer that came out as uh legendary namu and then she came out as um countess uh, yeah augustus augustus uh, byron yeah 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 um uh, tabitha yeah so you guys um you guys like that kind of stuff then yeah Oh, that's brilliant. That's that that's a stroke of brilliance. So one of the things that y'all did that just it drew so a lot of people in. I, I can I can see that. The uh, I, mean, I suppose it, it puts the you know, it gives the characters brings the characters to life. We've got some some set decoration as well. So we had um, we've got the RJ generator on the stand and as, and all the graphics and things we have. We've got some um, some other bits and pieces as well in the. Uh, in the pipe we've got a couple of surprises coming as new uh, new feature tables as well so uh yeah good stuff yeah rob rob hawkins had, had a blog out la- last week about the, the new t- table for gen con and it's looking brilliant and he's not even halfway finished <laughs> that's going to be amazing yeah there's um i mean the the, the the place to see the whole thing will will be at um be at gen con but um yeah we'll uh yeah, we're looking forward to it. I, Roberto was sort of working on concept art for it for yeah quite a while, just really making sure that it was it sent the right signal for where we were um, for 2018. Uh, in the same way that in 2017 we had the, the big watches table because that kind of that showed because that's why you had the Wild West. Oh, sorry, the Wild West. You had the the um, mountain on the one side, so you kind of um, facing it, and then. 
behind it, you then get the whole portal and the, the alien complex and things, the Watchers complex, to show that, or symbolically it was supposed to represent the fact that you're expecting one thing with Wild West Exodus, but actually then when you look into it, is there's a lot more going on. Now, obviously, for 2018, it's about the dystopian age and that the Wild West Exodus is a really important part of this much larger world. So the table is going to, again, show how the union and how the Wild West Exodus fits into a, a larger narrative as well. So lots to look forward to. Right. Awesome. Well, did you guys have any more uh, questions for Stuart? Like uh, hard-hitting, you know, questions? Hard-hitting. Um, okay, here's hard quitting. The, the revision in 1.07 of stun makes the stun weapons more about multiple units instead of being able to use it against a single model. So it's become a more of a lackey uh, type special effect instead of something that a face could use against another face or a boss could use against another boss. Um, yes. Is there, I guess the question is, is, it it is there any way is there any even any scuttlebutt about making that weapon have something that can be used against that because if you go boss on boss posses like we talked about in our last blog that power is virtually useless how okay so the so having stun on a weapon means that it, the idea is it's to I mean lawmen make make more use of stun than any other faction but obviously other factions make use of, of the stun quality so stun is there because it means that faces, so characters, who tend to be outnumbered by hands units, aren't going to get mobbed by the hand unit quite so much because they can, all they have to do is to um, clout one of them with the stun weapon and they've stunned the unit because obviously it applies to the unit, not just to a single, a single model. Um, it still causes a wound check though, so y you are still, the if you, if you remove the stun quality from the weapon, it it, um, the weapon is just as dangerous as it would be with the stun quality. What the stun quality lets you do is, well, two things. First of all, it lets you um, take care of, um, let's say, these larger units. But the other one is it actually um, it actually works very well against um, because it, it then places the stun condition onto a uh, onto a unit, which you, you know, I mean, as you guys know, when you're going up against something that has tough giving them stun is actually uh, is quite useful because you prevent them from being able to um, take advantage of that um, second part of the tough special rule so it does have its it does have its benefits oh no it I I used it to great great use with Jed versus gray units the the, the thing is is when you go against one model the stun doesn't take an effect until after you've wounded it that's right Right. So it just, it's, and if it's just only on a crit, it just doesn't happen very often. But the stun doesn't affect them because if they're dead, the, the stun doesn't work. <laughs> it goes away. Yes, but then it, it, it all the qualities go away when, when the model's right. dead. <laughs> so, so, you know, so that lethal disappears when they're dead. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not, you're not losing anything there. Um, yeah, I mean, you're not. Stun is, stun is, stun is a little is an extra thing. Then I say stun the quality for stun. Otherwise, we wouldn't have stun. We'd just have, um, 
we just have one that one no just disordered everybody or we just have one or hazard we just replace them all with hazard and just be setting everybody on fire or something and um, the, the 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 point of stun it, it is there for the crowd control and to um okay stun. so it's it's more of, it's more of crowd control than it is any other effect well okay so if you were going up against a um if you're going up against a large model bear in mind that the um so stun the stun condition is applied after you've resolved the hit yeah right well but in theory you would get another you would get i mean depending on how your actions are and depending on what you're doing you might be able to hit them again because it's right yeah so I, i i agree with you but i mean bearing in mind that the limit on faces is higher than the limit on um hands units anyway so you have the ability to potentially use one of your actions to hit them and then use one of your actions to hit them again. So it, you can, you can in the same, in the same um, activation, you can take advantage of stun on the target that you just smashed in the face. If you, uh, if you were so, uh, didn't have a follow up. So inclined. Well, yeah, uh, so inclined. And then, you know, then you've got other weapons. Oh, weapons is the wrong word. You've got other, um, other abilities as well again with the lawman you have things um you have things like the uh, what's what's your big um, your big uh, your judgment so i mean don't forget that the judgment with its incarceration special rule means that uh, so any units within or so any models it's d5 plus one stunned models um, within eight inches of the judgment so again stunned it does have an effect you can if you double ta- uh, double team it with a judgment you can actually go after one of those characters yes you crack them over the back of the head with your iron asp and then the judgment drags them kicking and screaming into the uh, into the hold so it's um yeah i, I just think it's it is um, it's more of a crowd control yeah and and, and you can use it to do assassinations and things but it's it's not designed for assassination i mean what you right. don't want to do is you don't want you don't want to have someone like Wyatt Earp reaching for his iron asp to because he's going to stun him because that's more efficient to take out a character than it is about shooting him in the face with his uh, magnum peacemaker. I mean, that's 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 going to put him down. So, I mean, again, I think it, it's the right weapon for the right task. Right. So it's, it sounds like you use it. You can use it in combination with other things and come up with some combos that'll be pretty effective. Yeah. 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 No, a- a- absolutely. That's absolutely the um, the idea behind it. And there will be more things. I can't. I can't go into specifics. There are more things coming for the lawman that will have rules like incarceration that will take advantage of models being stunned. So actually, it's Ooh, not wow. so much. Okay. It's not so much about the immediate kill. So much of because I mean, this is the other thing. We're trying to make sure the lawmen have their own identity, and actually, them subduing and crowd control the stunning the. Um, uh, in the UK, we have a thing called um, it's a thing, thing our police do, which is called kettling, which is where they um, they basically corral a whole bunch of people into a into a tight space, and then you process people from that group in small numbers to um, do, you know to send them on their way. Right, so you're not confronting the entire crowd all at once. You kind of you're segregating off small groups, and then you're you're, you're dealing with them. While the, the main mass of the protesters or whatever it is are uh, are kept in one place, it's uh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure out in the US you have similar uh, 
similar tactics and it's, things. It's kind of like cattle herding. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The in the UK, it's called um, it's called kettling. It's something the uh, our police do over here. Uh, and again, so our our police force over here are um, very well trained at um, uh, non-lethal crowd control. Um, that's something, obviously, that they have to be very good at. So, yeah. Well, so here that's... in Houston, we haven't had a violent protest yet because of our our guys uh, use the same techniques, but they're really good at diffusing, you know, any protests that get out of hand, uh, and they use that those techniques to when when they can isolate the troublemaker in the crowd trying to escalate things. Uh, yeah. That's what they use to get them to basically stand down. They, they remove the volatile guy and then, then it calms the crowd again. Yeah, that's that. That is exactly exactly it. So we're I'm not saying that that's the only way that you can be able to play the lawman, but that is an aspect of how the lawman will work for because more often than not, they're going to be outnumbered more often than not. Um, the they're going to be individually better skilled than yeah. I mean, unless it's I mean, lawmen against something like watches is, is is a slightly different dynamic. But lawmen against outlaws, which is I suppose the classic the classic matchup, you're probably going to have more lawmen characters, and the outlaws are going to have more outlaw sort of like um, gangs and rank and file type stuff. So yeah, the 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 there will be some tactics and some uh, some units and things that will help you. And play to that that way of uh, of doing things, um, and there's nothing more frustrating for your opponent than they've got their um, their guy who's got like massive amounts of grit, and he's got this this protection against against this attack, and so on. To to see him kind of uh, takes a tap to the noggin, down he goes, and then he's he's like trussed up like a chicken and dragged off. That's um, yeah, that's that's a mechanic that we want to we we, we want to play up a bit too. <laughs> All right. I think if we're we've covered all the hard hitting questions, um, I have I have something I actually want to do with you, Stuart. It's something that I want to do with when we have our special guest and stuff. And uh, it's kind of going to be some hot seat questions. So they're going to be kind of questions that you answer, you know, top of your head. Maybe the first thing that pops into your head, and we can kind of see where that takes us. So lightning round. Yeah, like a lightning round. So let's start off with this. First question I'm going to ask you, Stuart, is uh, Stetsons or 10-gallon? 10-gallon, uh, just for the, uh, for the awesomeness of it all. That's so you can, you know, you can store your sandwich in there for later. Let's see, another one. Uh, so I want to know, in along the lines of favorite Western movie slash actor, do you have a favorite Western movie or actor, Stuart? Uh, I really enjoy. Um, I really enjoy Tombstone. Uh, in fact, I watched it again the other day. I think it's probably my favorite uh, of the films. Uh, particularly, what I like about it is so. Look, I like the um, kind of the lone, the lone guy up against it. Um, you know, like your Clint Eastwood style things where really they don't have a terrific amount to lose personally and they're more about going in there and sort of saving the townsfolk or saving um, or, you know, or just getting involved. They don't have to and it's a it's an aspect of their personality that they've chosen to put themselves in harm's way. So you know, I, I like those kind of films. I think they're, they're really good. But I really enjoy Tombstone because I think the dynamic between the brothers is really good. 
um, the dynamic, even the outlaws, um, you know, they have a, um, they're not just black hats. They actually do have um, depth to their character. Um, and yeah, I just, and the fact that the stakes are very personal, you know, the town, okay. Yeah. There, there is a threat to the town indirectly in the sense that the cowboys are running everything, but it's, it's more about, um, this notion of authority. And actually you see the way that, um, White Earp deals with when he takes over, um, the share in the, in the game, um, in the poker game at the beginning and where it's, it's that fine line between the lawman. It's about, it's about being a bully is the wrong word, but it's about asserting control. And then it's down to the individual as to whether or not that control will impact on other people's lives or not. Um, and to the degree that it impacts on other people's lives. And, um, and the fact that the, the heroes are so flawed in tombstone as well. And obviously Val Kilmer's doc holiday is amazing. Um, but yeah, yeah I, 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 so, it's a it's a it's got depth and it's very gray because the erps are not massively the heroes um the, but they i mean they are they are the heroes but they're they're flawed heroes and it's um yeah i just i think it's fantastic great performances by everybody involved and um you know a terrific version of a story that we perhaps don't know you know the truth of it really we know the major the major blows of the story but we don't know what it was like to actually be there so i think it's as good a it's as good a version as as any but in terms of actor though um as much as i do enjoy it, i do think that probably uh clint eastwood is a um yeah it's a fantastic um fantastic actor and in terms of his roles as a kid i had very much i had a um yeah, I, I did have a soft spot for the John Wayne kind of more, uh, more kind of satirized <laughs> uh, But I mean, again, that's a that's a um, that's a nostalgic, um, yeah, nostalgic kind of um, uh, take on things. Oh, I mean, this, there are so many good. It'd be interesting because we have um, we have some releases coming up for Exodus, which are inspired by um, westerns. Um, like the America, the the cinema westerns, I guess you're saying. Yeah, um, and I'm not going to go into the uh, uh, I'm not going to go into the specifics on it, um, but yeah, there is um, <laughs> there, are, there are some so the speak more like the spaghetti western, yeah, the Sergio <laughs> Leone type stuff, um, and some of the actors from that in terms of how they um, so okay, yeah, you've got Clint Eastwood, so stuff. Um, but then, uh, oh yeah, some of the stuff that um, yeah, some of the less the less well known um, the, the less ne- um, well known actors that um, you know to the to the <laughs> average cinema goer, I just think some of those performances are absolutely phenomenal, really good. Here's another question for you, Stuart. A um, little little more lengthier. If you were a uh, Wild West character, like someone you would find in the frontier, you know, historical, uh, who, who would you want to be historically in the, the wild West? In the real wild West. In the real wild West. Yeah. I think Bass Reeves, um, was quite an interesting character, the real Bass Reeves. Um, however, um, I would say 
Yeah, I mean, hmm. I stumped him. Yeah, well, look, I'm, I I like the idea of somebody like White Earp. I think uh, he lived an interesting life. Um, I mean, the, it, it's always the way, isn't it, that you're going to be historically there were hundreds of thousands of people that would have lived throughout that period, but we only really remember the ones that that became legend. I think the um, some of the more nefarious ones, as fun as that might be to be them briefly, I don't think I would want to live like them. Um, just, yeah, I think probably probably somebody like Wyatt Earp that 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 appeals to me. Um, okay, but uh, yeah, yeah, he he actually had one of those amazing lives that with all that kind of stuff that he was involved in with you know the you know the outlaws and you know his time as a lawman that he actually survived all that violence and made it into the 1920s and passed away as an old man um, yeah i mean he, he was still alive when the first world war ended yeah so which just you know you don't you don't think of him as a uh, as being of that period you you really you do just think of him as the, the kurt russell kind of um character from you know from years ago but now he had a whole a whole life i mean at his funeral we had um uh there were all the um all the people all the big um hollywood stars of the of the time um were were at his funeral because he he was yeah he 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 was well regarded he was famous when he died he was such an iconic real person that inspired so much in the the world of cinema and fiction and stuff so definitely an interesting character okay follow up to that one character in exodus who would you be oh now you're now now you're talking um <laughs> i uh i think i mean you, you got the big boys i think carpathians a fantastic character so deep so complicated uh, I like some of the some of the characters, some of the lawman characters that have um, have come across, both historical and not. Obviously, Jedrick Powell is a is a favourite. I think he's quite interesting, um, but I suspect somebody else might want to be him. Uh, uh, yeah. Brian's kind of dancing around right now. You said you said his you know his favourite character. So <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think probably my my favourite. My favourite, my absolute favourite character um, is going to be somebody like um, Tesla. I think Tesla is a really interesting character. And I really like uh, Lincoln. I think the the Exodus incarnation, the dystopian age version of Lincoln, he is a really interesting character. Well, obviously, he achieved a lot as his historical counterpart did, but his life after death is um, particularly interesting. So, yes, Lincoln little scenario for you here now if you rode in the town we're we're kind of in the a western theme here if you rode in the town on your blank what would you ride in the town would it be a horse a black hoof uh iron horse maybe one of the other vehicles what would you ride in the town in i think probably an iron horse would be the way i'd go um as I want to keep all my hair and teeth, I wouldn't ride on a black hoof, uh, as, I, as I'd get irradiated or kicked to death, depending on how temperamental or leaking the uh, the automata was. Um, the interceptor it looks like it. I mean, it's, yeah, you'd be cool, but uh, it looks 
it's a bit too dangerous for me. Uh, no, I think uh, I think an iron, uh, yeah, an iron horse. I think is uh, is the way to go. I think they look they look the business, um, nice and nice and comfortable. I'd, pro- I'd probably modify it a little bit, but um, yeah, I think an iron horse is the way to go. So you're gonna put a really nice stereo and some bass speakers in that. No, I was thinking just like a big like back support, bit of lumbar support ah. is is one of the ways to go. Okay, uh, maybe a <laughs> um, maybe a sidecar so I can so it's not quite so lonely. I can take a uh, I can take a, a floozy from the saloon uh, around <laughs> me. Yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> okay, and then when you got into town and you moseyed into the saloon for a game of poker, so you sit down at the table. Who would be sitting there with you? It could be anybody. Who do you want to play a game of poker with? What against? Yeah, against. Like you're. So so not Doc Holiday. Okay. No Doc Holiday. <laughs> not, not, not not if I want to win. Um, yeah, yeah, be, yeah. But if I want to win, it would I mean, be probably somebody like. Um, oh yes, yes, sir. It could be I anybody. Mean, it could be fictional. <laughs> Okay, yeah. So I would, I would probably tell you what. I would probably, I would play a game against Broad Arrow Jack because actually, uh, I think he would be fascinating, charming. He'd have a story, um, and yeah, he probably would beat you at poker. But he, he'd be, he'd be very charismatic. But actually, if I could have a three-way game, it would be Broad Arrow Jack, Doc Holiday, and then myself. And I'd just listen to the two of them talking to each other and kind of trying to out charm and out smarm each other and uh yeah i think that that'd be uh that that'd be worth the ticket that'd be worth whatever the modest losses i'd get as i just watch these two gambling titans go at it nobody nobody from like real life cinema or you know uh i don't know i popping in my head et you don't want to play poker with et oh so we're talking about beyond yeah uh, beyond wild west yeah beyond wild west so we got your wild west table just did anybody in general now. Anybody. anybody. Uh, it's an open book for you, Stuart. Well, yeah, but it, it, it's like saying that um, the internet means that everybody's brilliant because <laughs> the internet has the sum total of all human knowledge in it. Well, you, that's fine, but you've still got to know what the questions are to find it. It's um, Yeah, so, I, so you've just said to me that I can be playing a game with anybody in the entirety of time and space, sure. fictional or not, um yeah now that would be uh i i I genuinely wouldn't know i would have to i'd have to stick with my uh, i'd stick with my two because i think if i started to uh go beyond that then i i might i might start to pick a a historical character like um you know like playing um playing poker with the real uh george washington or uh, winston churchill or something like that just to and actually it wouldn't be about the game then it would be about just the experience finding out about their lives yeah absolutely All right. Yeah, I didn't mean to send you down a rabbit hole, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah, it means you, you, you cut the lifeline and everything. I didn't know where we were going. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's see. What are we at? We're at just over an hour. You guys have any other questions for Stuart? I mean, Stuart, you can you know, talk about whatever you want, too. Uh, hold on. I got one. Okay, Tom's got one. They're all your children, but what when you sit down and play a game and a game for fun that you want to do, what's your faction? Oh, well, for Wild West Exodus. Wow. Okay, yeah, that's hard because um, 
uh, yeah, there's there's cool stuff for all of them. I think my personal favourite fact. I really like the Union. There's something very appealing about how that how they operate, uh, and I and I like having um, again it goes back to what we were talking about about having options. And actually, I quite like sometimes not having as many options because then I can find my own. I need to have um, clearly defined parameters on, on in my own personal hobby because then I can kind of innovate around what's defined whereas like you go to the outlaws and it's like poof, you know the, the, there's so many choices there's so many different options and things that you can't help but pick one of the really exciting themes whereas if i was doing union i'd sort of look at the union and go well okay i could actually do like an engineering you know the core of engineers so i could take campbell and then all of my um all of my union armored armored guards and stuff but i could give them all like backpacks with um trenching tools and stuff like that and i could um and then pick pick models sympathetic models that would be that kind of sapping demolitions type thing or 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 construction type thing so i like finding twists on um on existing ideas but because of that the ideas need to be really clearly defined and i think the union is a fairly fairly clear explanation as to what the uh, as to what the union would be if i was to do conversely if i was to do the hex because i've got a lot of uh, a lot of fond thinking on the hex it would be about them picking a um i would represent something like a corrupted uh or like a treacherous union detachment that's gone rogue or gone into uh gone into business for themselves kind of thing so you would have all your bandits and cutthroats and things you'd use union models but paint them up kind of uh bit like a slightly ragtag bunch of union soldiers so they don't you know on first first glance you'd think it was a union force but actually then you look at them and you realize you know the the beards are really unkempt they the 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 body language is kind of slouched a bit more the skins are slightly unhealthy pallor the weapons aren't quite as well maintained as they should be or a bit um patched together uh, and so on so yeah i like um i like playing around a theme but I need to have a strong theme to play with. So hex or union, love it. I agree. I, I play better or have more fun when there's a little bit of a story around it. Well, I think uh, you you survived all our hot seat questions, uh, Stuart, and uh, you know we got some some good stuff going on there for what we got coming out in the world of Wild West Exodus. And uh, actually, thank you, Stuart, for coming on the show and. Uh, you know, sitting down with us three stooges and rambling on and on about the game. <laughs> no, no, no. It's look, I enjoy doing it because you guys have been supporters of the game for a long time. Um, when I was sort of first getting into the um, Wild West Exodus setting, um, it was people like Brian were um, massively supportive in the uh, you know in those early days. Um, you know, just in kind of and Tom, you too, just in terms of making sure that we had a slightly smoother entry into the community. So, you know, anytime, I'm, I'm more than happy to uh, pitch in and, and shoot the breeze with you guys. Cool, very good. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of funny that uh, these guys, you know, as part of our community, I've only met them a few times, but and it just, with Wild West Exodus and our community, it really does, I think generate friendships and you know uh, get people together to have fun 
yeah i mean i think eric you're um there's been a with the second edition there's been a real kind of sense of enthusiasm from some of the stuff i've seen from you on facebook and the like and i just think you three are a great example as to the, as to why i think the game is starting to become as successful as it is and starting to get as noticed as it is is because you know you judge a you can judge a uh, judge a game by its community and i think um yeah it's a good good examples in you three well thank you we try we try hard <laughs> <laughs> we, we try to infect the rest of the community, as as a hex player would say. <laughs> That's fine. They're, they're misunderstood anyway, so yeah. it's, it's not. They just want hugs, no, Brian. Not. Remember, they just they're want just, hugs. They just want hugs. <laughs> it is, it's free hugs. Free hugs for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just want to thank you for taking the time to talk with us today. Yeah, thanks a lot, Stuart. No, as I say, I'm, I'm more than happy to. And yeah, I, I tell you, what, you come up with some more um, more searching questions, or because um, yeah, I'm happy to talk about anything. I mean, if you wanted to talk about the the origins of Second Edition and how we came up with the game as it is now, how we developed the rules as they are now, why we developed it in particular ways, what the philosophy was behind things, I'm I'm happy to chat about all that stuff. Oh, that sounds good to me. Ooh, yeah, that'd be good. Well, all right. Yeah, just as a reminder, I'm going to try and get this out for everybody uh, before, you, Stuart, you guys got the convention coming up pretty soon this weekend. Uh, as we record, you got a couple more days left to get ready for that. And now I just want to remind everybody to, you know, if you're in the UK, to check them out. Say hi, do some demos, check out their new exclusive figure that they're going to have at uh, the cons available at the booth and you can order it online uh it's emissary of the blazing sun and yeah thank you again Stuart, for coming on i think that about does it for us guys so i'm going to be editing like a madman to get this out in a couple days and i hope everybody enjoys it any closing thoughts from you guys um hey everybody get out there play some games don't hesitate to proxy some of these uh, cards that are on the website that don't have models. You definitely get a, a good feel of what's to come. I know uh, I did that this weekend, and it was a blast. Yeah, definitely. It's a good way to try out something that may interest you. I did the same thing. Uh, I ran my all-boss posse list uh, actually just yesterday. And uh, after you know you try it, you can figure some things out. Maybe you need a little bit of tweaking. Um, I think mine needs a little bit of tweaking, but I had a blast doing it. Any closing thoughts, Tom? Uh, yeah, I just want to say to any of the first edition players who may have been down on the game, going to a second edition, because th- there have been a lot of naysayers. I was one of Stuart's problem children, probably coming through the <laughs> testing process. Um, the game is fun. It, it is not the same game. It is a different game as far as mechanically. But the flavor is there, and, and it's a very, it's really a fun game. Give it a try. Stuart, you got any closing thoughts? You're, you're kind of the main guest here. I should have started with you. No, no, no. It's, it's absolutely absolutely fine. I've got um, nothing nothing hugely um, hugely to go through. I think, as I say, the Dark Council is a great place for the community to get involved and, and talk and show off, their, show off their models and show off how they're getting on. I think what really helps in stores is to have a bit of a champion, a bit of somebody in those retail stores who are kind of pushing and promoting the uh, promoting the game. And I think if you if you want to see your game, if 
you want to see your game improve and grow, then, um, yeah, by all means, champion it in your local store. If you need help from us, get on the Dark Council and ask ask questions. There's plenty of people on there, not just War Cradle staff, but plenty of people in the community that can help and answer your questions. And, yeah, we do listen would be the other thing I would say. So if there are any thoughts you'd had on things, I mean, so the, the rule books had a few updates. The vast, vast, vast majority are literally just just clarifications. It might be, I mean, the rules themselves haven't massively changed. I mean, there's been a couple of clarifications or a couple of uh, the intent on a couple of things has been kind of focused on a little bit more. But overall, the game still plays the same way that it did when it came out. It's just been based on how we've had feedback from the community and things, particularly on the Dark Council, particularly the likes of you, know, you guys who have fed back on ways to make the game either play faster or play more clearly or or if um you know you get people maybe trying to exploit something that wasn't there or wasn't intended to be there so the community is a brilliant brilliant thing and the more people that get involved in it the better the game and the community becomes so my only thing is is to really recommend get involved in your community get involved online get involved in your stores and let's let's see how massive we can make the game this time next year yeah so yeah. don't don't hesitate guys of uh you know sending an email to war cradle and and listen guys you you know you contact us through facebook or email us at our gmail address and uh yeah let's create a thriving community all right so Thanks, guys. Uh, that's going to kind of wrap up our episode. Go ahead and check out the game if you haven't checked it out. Just get out there and play some games and have some fun. And this is Eric. I'm going to say take it easy and remind everybody as you're out there creating your community to ride with the sun at your back and always roll those crits. We'll see you guys later. No yeehaw this time, uh, Brian. Oh, yeah, no, you caught me off guard. <laughs> <laughs> what a law, man. Wow. Oh, man. <laughs> well, you do know I have editing powers. Yeah, just use the last one. No. <laughs> i just repeat it. <laughs> oh, no, I'll give you one. Yeah! There we go. Thanks for stopping by the Black Hoof Saloon, y'all. We hope you enjoyed your visit. Feel free to get a hold of us with comments or questions via the interweb and shoot us a telegraph at blackhoofsaloon at gmail.com or find us on the Facebook at Black Hoof WWX Podcast. Music provided for use by Ross Bugden and can be found at one of his YouTube channels, Ross Bugden Music or Ross bugged in composer until your next visit ride with the sun at your back and always roll those crits
here we thought we talked to Stuart for about an hour. Nope, y'all got y'all got me talking. <laughs> well, why don't you guys? Why don't we say you get there? I can't even talk. Say it. Say it. <laughs> <laughs>